0: Please be seated and keep your Bible open at John chapter 1 as we continue our sermon series on the Gospel of John. And in the middle of your bulletin, there will be outline for you to follow the sermon. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, give me the strength, Father, to preach clearly and faithfully from Your Word. And help us, Father, as we listen to Your Word, You will help us realize the precious truth that you have revealed and preserved for us in the Bible. And we pray this in the Son Jesus' name. Amen. Michael Jordan, probably one of the greatest basketball players. Imagine if Michael Jordan were to say, there will come after me another basketball player who is much greater than me. They are not even worthy to be his teammate. Will you look forward to this person? Or consider Nelson Mandela, one of our great leaders in world history. Imagine if he were to say, there's another leader who is much righteous and much more uncorrupted than me. So righteous that even I am not worthy to be his follower. Both of them, Michael Jordan and Nelson Mandela, they are authority figures in their own field. And if they recommend someone who are much greater than them, Surely we will trust them and we will look forward to this person, won't we? How is this illustration relevant to our passage today? Well, this is because John the Baptist, likewise, is an authoritative figure in his community, in the Jewish community in the first century. He is recognized and respected among the people. And as an authoritative figure, he points to someone who will come after him, who is much greater than him. And let's find out who exactly is John the Baptist and who is the greater one that he referred to. In John chapter 1, verse 19, it is written This is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. We see here that the Jews in Jerusalem, namely the religious leaders, they have sent a delegate to ask John some questions. Well, the reason they were doing this was because John was gaining attraction in Judea. In the other Gospels, we were told that John went around asking Israelites to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And we read that because of his baptism, many people, the whole country in fact, were going out to him to be baptized in the Jordan River. And therefore, because of the hurrah caused by John the Baptist, these leaders in Jerusalem they want to know who exactly was John the Baptist? What exactly was he seeking to do? They must have asked John a question like this: Are you the Christ? To which John answered in verse 20, I'm not Christ. And then again they asked in verse 21, What then? Are you Elijah? John said, I'm not. They said, Are you the prophet? And answered, No. They wanted to know if John was the Christ, the Elijah, or the Prophet. Well, you may wonder, what is the connection between what John the Baptist was doing and these three figures that caused them to ask this? Well, in order to understand that, first of all, we need to understand the background, the Old Testament Testament background of these three figures. Well, very quickly, firstly, the Christ is, is also known as the Anointed One. It was written as Messiah in the Old Testament Hebrew. This anointed one was prophesied to be the chosen one who were to come, to be the Savior of Israel. The Savior Christ would come on the last days to bring blessing to the nation Israel. Secondly, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet that we may well know very well. And you remember that he was taken up to heaven at the end of his ministry. And hundreds of years after that, after Elijah was taken up to heaven by God, another prophet, Malachi, prophesied that the God will send Elijah back again to Israel before the final coming of the kingdom in order to save them. Lastly, what about the prophet? The prophet is a figure was prophesied by Moses, way back in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses said that after him will arise another great prophet among them, just like him probably to bring them to the, to the final promised land in the future. And if you look at all these, these three figures, what, is a, what was the common thing between all three of them? Well, all these three were so-called end-time figures in Israel's religion. Pious Jews in the first century who were waiting for God to save them once again, they had an expectation based on the Old Testament that these figures would come. At the end of history, at the last days, at the so called the day of the Lord. And when these figures come at the end time, then God's final blessing and God's final salvation will be poured out upon them. And so when they asked John that questions, whether he's a Christ, Elijah, or the prophet, they were wondering whether John was one of those end time figures. Now well again you will think, why would they think that John the Baptist was one of them? That was because of what John was doing. John was proclaiming baptism of forgiveness of sins, and remember what he said when he do, when he when he did that. He said, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For the kingdom of God is near." John calls for the Israelites to be purified, to prepare them, because because why? Because the kingdom of God is finally coming. His, he's saying that the end times are near. So he wants to prepare them to be baptised for the forgiveness of sins. That was why the religious leaders asked him, Are you the Christ? Are you the Elijah? Are you the prophet? And John said, No, no, and no. And not satisfied with the little information they've got from John, they asked again in verse 22, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who send us. And then he said further, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. We already read about this prophecy back in Isaiah 40 in the Old Testament reading. Uh, In that prophecy, Isaiah prophesied that on the last days, God will come and comfort his people Israelites, and he will reveal his glory to them. And It was was written there that when the last day comes, a a voice will cry out in the wilderness, To prepare the way for the coming of God. And so by quoting Isaiah, John was saying that he was not one of those key figures, the Christ, Elijah, or the great prophet. But he was just a voice, a voice that prepares the way of God at the end times. Uh, Imagine this this illustration, this situation. Imagine that a general a general election has just ended and a new president of a country has been elected. And everyone was waiting for the president's speech after his victory. And as everyone's eyes was on the mic on the stage, a man went to speak at the mic and say, Hello, hello, can everyone hear me? And then someone asked, Well, who are you? Are you the president? He said, I'm not. He said, Are you the official spokesperson for the president? He said, No, I'm not. And then he said, we are sure you're not the first lady because we know you are a man. And then the man said, actually, I'm just a PA guy. I'm just here to make sure that the mic works, that you all can hear me. I'm preparing the mic and getting all of you ready to listen to the president that will come after me. Well, this is similar to what John the Baptist said when he said, I'm just a voice preparing the way. To this, the delegate asked in verse 24, then why are you baptizing? Why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor the Elijah, nor the prophet? In essence, they are asking, why are you grabbing the mic and grabbing our attention with your message and with your baptism if you are not one of those key figures? Uh, to this, John's answer them further. He says, there is another one who is much greater than me. He says, I am grabbing your attention with my baptism so that I can direct you to him, so that you can look forward to his coming. And then John said further in verse 26 about this person. He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sender I am not worthy to untie. John said that this one who will come after me, he will be so great, so great that John is not even worthy to untie his sender. Uh, if you know the context, during the first century, uh, if a disciple wants want to follow a master, like a master of a philosophy, philosophy school, he's required to do everything that the master asks him to do, except for one thing, and that thing is, which is, which is to take off the shoes of the master. You see, back, in, back then in the first century, even a master is not great enough to require a disciple to take off his shoe for him. Probably this work is only left for the slave, for the lower slave to do. But what did John say here? John said he is not even worthy to be the slave of this man who will come after him. On the following day, John saw Jesus and he identified Jesus as the one who he was talking about. If you go just quickly to verse 31 to verse 34 first, how did John identify him? John himself said that I myself did not know him. But God gave him a sign to identify who is this man that he was speaking. God said when he baptized this person, a dove, the Holy Spirit like a dove will descend and remain on him. And that's how he knew this is the man that he was talking about. So we knew presumably that in verse 29, John had already met Jesus beforehand. And that's why he said in verse 39, when he saw Jesus, he said, This is the man of whom I said earlier. And he said in verse 30, This is is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. Again, you see in verse 31, John emphasizes his main purpose for coming. His main role in in his ministry, which is to bear witness to this person, to reveal him to Israel. And again, he emphasizes how this man is greater than him. He said in verse 30, He ranks before me because he was before me. John said this man, Jesus, is greater than him because he existed before him. Even though John began his public ministry before Jesus, Even though John was, in fact, the older cousin of Jesus, John was born before Jesus. What does it mean then for Jesus to exist before John the Baptist? Well, this brings us back to the first 18 verses of John chapter 1, which we looked at last week, when we read that Jesus was, in fact, the pre-existing Word that was with God, the Word that was, in fact, God, and became flesh. Jesus was before John because he was a pre-existing Word of God. Although in terms of public ministry on earth, John, Jesus came only after John did his public ministry. And this is how verses 1 to 18 of chapter 1 is connected to verses 19 and 34. The first 18 verses introduces the beginning of Jesus' existence since the very beginning, since eternity. And verses 19 onwards introduce the beginning of Jesus' public ministry on earth. When it comes to the eternal beginning of Jesus, he was the Word, the Word that was with God and the Word that was God. But in terms of his public ministry on earth, Jesus came only after John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had to appear on earth before Jesus because he was to point forward to him. John was sent by God to be the forerunner for Jesus' ministry on earth. Now that we have understood the context and content of our passage here, let us ask ourselves this question. Why did Apostle John want to emphasize so much on the testimony of John the Baptist? Well, the reason why the Apostle John did that was because he wanted to provide a solid and reliable witness to the person of Jesus Christ. Because the truth is that historically, John the Baptist was a well-known figure among the Jewish community in the first century. Many people at that time recognized that he was a man of God. Many Israelites could recognize that the authority of his words, the authority of his deeds when he preached about the coming Kingdom of Heaven. And so having the witness of John the Baptist will provide added evidence for the Jewish community. To believe the claims about jesus That was why there was how john the baptist was important to the first group of christians in history the witness of john the baptist was like the witness of michael jordan and nelson mandela was to us just as we can trust the words of michael jordan if we were to bear witness about a greater basketball player so also they can trust the words of john the baptist regarding the one who is greater than him just as we can trust the words of Nelson Mandela if we to bear witness about the greater leader, so also they can trust the words of John the Baptist regarding Jesus. And this is what happened historically among the first group of Christians in the first century. If you read the rest quickly, the rest of chapter 1, verse 35 onwards, you will see that in fact, the first few people who followed Jesus, the first few disciples, the first few apostles of Jesus Christ, They were, in fact, formerly the follower of John the Baptist. It was only because they followed John the Baptist and then John directed them to Jesus that they then become Jesus' disciples. And the same happened to many other Jews in Judea at that time. If you go all the way back to, all the way front to John chapter 10, verse 41, which I'll read for you, in that it was written that after Jesus had done many signs, those who witnesses witnessed what Jesus had done said, John the Baptist did no sign, but everything that John said about this man Jesus was true. And many of these people believed in Jesus. And so historically, there was the important role of John the Baptist for the first group of Christians. And his role was so important that it was written earlier in John chapter 1, verse 6. It says here, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, that all might believe through John the Baptist. Everyone who comes to believe in Jesus are in fact believing through the John the Baptist, including ourselves here now. Because the first Christians came to know and believe of Jesus through John the Baptist. And we in turn rely on the testimonies The eyewitness testimonies of those first group of Christians I've said that the testimony of John the Baptist was important for those first group of Christians in the first century but what about for us now well you may say that you do not know who exactly John the Baptist you do not know him you have not seen him like they did so what is the purpose of us knowing the testimony of John the Baptist in the gospel Well, what i want to say is that although we don't live in the same generation as john the baptist we can still know a lot about john through sources outside the bible because the fact is that in the first century there are quite a few documents quite a few historical documents containing the facts about john the baptist they are written by non-christians from these sources outside the bible we too can know that john was a respectable figure at that time in the Jewish community, we too can know that even outside the Bible, John was known as the one who went around preaching about water baptism. These historical documents outside of the Bible that wrote about John the Baptist help us to have certainty, to have certainty that the narratives we have in the Bible, they are not myths, but they are true historical incidents in the past. And likewise, we can also find evidence of the person Jesus Christ written outside of the Bible. Of course, we must not forget that the Bible itself is a very reliable historical document if we bother to find out its reliability. And the Bible, of course, is the best historical evidence for us to know about the claim of Jesus as a Christ. Now that we have looked at the role of john the baptist testimony in the gospel let us now read further Uh, what did john say about jesus Uh, in our last section here in verses 29 to 34 john the baptist says three important things about jesus firstly he says that jesus is a lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world secondly he says that jesus will be the one who baptizes with the holy spirit and thirdly he said that jesus is a son of god At this moment in John chapter 1, these so-called titles of Jesus are not being explained in detail. The Apostle John who wrote the Gospel will gradually show us how Jesus will fulfill all things that are being said about him. But at this moment in chapter 1, he merely wanted to introduce these titles through the mouth of John the Baptist. And why did he do that without much explanation? Because he wanted to make us eager to find out more about Jesus find out how he's going to fulfill that, just as we will be eager to find out who is this person, this great who will come after John. This is what we'll indeed do as we continue to expound John's Gospel in the following weeks. But before we get to the following weeks, let let me just, just give you some quick explanation about these three titles here today. Firstly, in verse 29, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the world is something that Jesus mentioned constantly in the Gospel. He mentioned how everybody is living in darkness, practicing evil deeds. And he said how he has come to deal with this sin. And the Lamb of God is associated with the Passover Lamb in the Old Testament. The Passover Lamb is an animal that is killed in order to save the household of the Israelites during the exodus out of Egypt the lamb was a substitute for the life of the firstborn in the household thus putting these two together jesus will be like the Passover lamb who deals with the sin of the world and john gospel will gradually show us how through his own death jesus will deal with our sin secondly whereas john the baptist baptizes with water jesus will baptize with the holy spirit as mentioned before the baptism of water by john was for the forgiveness of sins or was to prepare them for the coming of the kingdom of heaven but jesus says when it comes to sins when it comes to sin forgiven by god it's only the holy spirit can fully deal with one sin it is only by receiving the holy spirit that one can enter the kingdom of heaven thirdly john says in verse 34 I've seen and borne witness that Jesus is the Son of God. In the Gospel of John, Jesus being the Son of God means primarily that He is the only one, the unique Son. He is the true Son who truly knows the Father because the Father has shown all things to this Son. And this Son is the one and only who can truly reveal who the Father is to us, who can truly show us the character of God and what He is doing. Therefore, John said, we must pay attention to this Jesus. We must look forward to his coming. We have now heard the faithful testimony of John the Baptist about the one who is so much greater that the great John is not even worthy to untie his sender. And we have briefly looked at the three important titles about Jesus. And all this, together with what we have seen last week, should whet our appetite So they will want to find out more about Jesus, so they will want to read more about him. The grand introduction that John gave to Jesus is not at all an exaggeration. The Jesus who is about to come on stage in John's Gospel is even much greater and much more amazing than what John has told us here. And this we will indeed find out when we hear what Jesus himself says, when we see what himself did. And so the stage is set now for jesus to be unveiled in the gospel of john and oh i should be looking forward for his coming now and so i hope you can all come back again for the following weeks on our series on john gospel to find out about this son who revealed truly the father to us about this one who takes away the sin of the world but in the meantime we can always read ahead from john gospel ourselves And bring for ourselves this great testimony about Jesus in the Bible. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, Father, uh, for the faithful testimony of John the Baptist in history. We thank you that he points so clearly and faithfully to Jesus Christ that we can come to know and believe in him. Help us, Father, to pay attention to Jesus Christ, who has come as a Savior of the world at the end times of history. Help us to find out how we can find hope in this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This we pray in his name. Amen.